This week on the Reverse Stick, it's Superhero Asia Cup. It's Superhero Cup Asia. Uh, maybe the Asia Cup for superheroes. Or it could just be the Hero Asia Cup Super Force. Welcome to the Reverse Stick for another week. My name's John Lee and I'm joined as I am weekly by Matt Allen. How are you, Matt? I'm good, John, and how are you, buddy? Oh, revved up for this program. Now, regular listeners might have realised that our podcasts have been getting a little bit longer over the last few weeks and this one's not going to be any exception. There's so much hockey. Well, we, we had a conversation going, OK, we'll make sure this week that we're not going to talk, talk around the game too much. We want to get straight to the point and, and cover some of the big topics and then we started making our list of what those big topics are. And, geez, there's a lot going on, and we've also got a fantastic interview straight out of Pakistan. Yes, we have. Mr EJ's Chowdhury, the Pakistan Hockey Federation Media Manager, will be joining us to chat about Pakistan hockey, a little bit about Asia Cup, but mostly about the game in Pakistan. And, look, and it answers a lot of the questions that we've raised over the past few weeks of the show. And, uh, and he didn't know. shy away from the, the difficult ones. No, absolutely. The shootout yeah. before the game. Explained. Yeah, very, very frank and uh, really enjoyable interview. And so, yeah, great to get the inside track on what's going on in Pakistan and uh, what they're trying to do with the game there. Uh, but we've got plenty to get through, Matt. So let's start. News. So I guess we'll kick off close to home for us straight away, John, and we'll talk a little bit about the results from the Oceania Cup and the Hockey Fives tournament that have taken place alongside the Oceania Cup. No surprises here with the finalists. You, uh, do you want to tell us what went no, on? No, well, it was only a, a three-team tournament, the Oceania Cup, uh, involving Australia, Papua New Guinea and New Zealand for both the men and the women. Uh, for the men's tournament, well, let's go through the results between Papua New Guinea and the other two nations first. They lost to Australia 30-0 and lost to New Zealand 19-0 in the men's side. On the women's side, Papua New Guinea lost to New Zealand 33-0 and to the Australians, they lost 23-0. Now, there was a bit of social media chatter and et cetera, and um, a couple of people have questioned what the relevance is of having Papua New Guinea there in the first place, which I would suggest would uh, ask the question, what's the relevance of the Oceania Cup? But that's for another time. Yeah, that's a broader question. Much broader question. Uh, as far as the, the results that mattered go, uh, during their pool games, in the men's tournament, Australia beat New Zealand 5-1, and played them in the final, which they won, Australia won 6-0 over the New Zealand men. On the women's side, it was a little bit closer. Uh, in their pool match, Australia beat New Zealand 2-1, which was a game that could have gone either way, quite frankly. The New Zealanders were a little bit unlucky there. In the final, Australia got home 2-0 over New Zealand and thoroughly deserved that victory. They were pretty much the better team on the day. So Australia is uh, the Oceania Cup winners for 2017. Now, what that means for the World Cup qualifications is that, well, Australia's already qualified. Uh, New Zealand has already qualified, so according to the FIFA workings out machine, uh, that will go, go to the next highest placed team in the world rankings that's missed out, which in the case of the women is Ireland. Ireland, yeah, it's a great delight in Ireland there. They, I mean, they, they'd always hoped, hoped that it would be the case for them to get through there, didn't they? And so on the men's side of things, that means France has qualified for the World Cup. So good luck to those nations. I'm sure they'll be ecstatic with those results 
from the recent Oceania Cup. Now, moving on to the Oceania Fives tournament. Uh, in, in place of having an extended cup tournament, such as they have in other nations with more teams, there was a Fives tournament held for those lower-ranked nations uh, from the Oceania area. So mainly those Pacific Island uh, nations there. So we, uh, we, we we did talk about Vanuatu over the past few weeks and getting we some have. support through from one of the local clubs, the Moorbank Liverpool District Hockey Club. Yeah. Wow. And, and it suited the Vanuatuans because they uh, managed to win the men's gold medal. They got over the top of Samoa 11-1, which isn't a bad effort. Uh, their captain, Hiro Namu, scoring five goals. So one, well done to Hiro. Five in the fives for Hiro. Absolutely. And what a hero. And the women's side of things, Samoa didn't feature well there either. They lost the uh, women's game final to Fiji 5-2. So well done to Fiji there for winning that tournament. It seems like the stuff that's been coming out over the social media about that particular tournament, they've loved every minute of it. And the players have had a great time and the spectators as well. It's big, been big smiles from Vanuatu Hockey there and they were um, warmly welcomed going back home as uh, the first hockey gold medal to be won by the nation. So, yeah, well done to the boys and girls that were involved there. Really great stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you did note that Aust- Australia country did finish top of the pools in both the men's and the women's competition, but obviously we don't have a hockey fives national team it's the Australian country team so that's a team selected from people from regional areas outside of the the city Uh, and it must be said that uh, the reason that they weren't eligible to play in the final was because the finals had FIH ranking points attached to them yeah so it makes a difference for those small nations absolutely it does we'll have to have a chat one day about how that ranking system works from playing in a fives tournament to playing 11 side hockey and all those sorts of Intrigues that go along with world ranking systems, but well done to everybody involved. Yeah, yeah, superb. And look, it is, it is interesting that we've got ranking points. So obviously, we've got outdoor world rankings, we have indoor world rankings, and the points are different from those two different sets of the game. But the hockey fives for these smaller nations is encapsulated within the outdoor ranking system. Uh, there's been plenty more going on too. Well, we've got the the Pan Am Indoor Cups just uh, got underway in uh, Georgetown and Guyana. Um, hats off to the to Guyana there. They are broadcasting all of the games via their eventshub.gy website. There's commentators and analysts, and the games are running. Oh, geez, back to back all day long. Depends on depends on where you are in the world as to the times that you can get that. It was nice that I woke up and had breakfast this morning and caught the Trinidad and Tobago versus Uruguay game. And I did note as well the TNT boys got up over Argentina in their opening game as well. So we don't want to be too biased to anybody, but a big shout out to TNT hockey and to the stick man there for getting things underway yeah. with the win. And uh, Trinidad and Tobago are on a bit of a roll in the sports sense too, so those boys could be in for a bit of a success. Yeah, look, raising their profile, and, and I did also note a lot of the, their guys, their younger players, are off studying in Europe now and also playing club hockey, so it can only be good for the, the strength of their game there. Absolutely. So I'll just take you through the... No, we know who's, who's playing in the tournament there, but yeah, please do get on to that... Um, events hub E-V-E-N-T-S hub H-U-B dot G-Y and you can watch all of the live streaming there keep an eye on the um, Pan Am Hockey Federation Facebook and Twitter social media feeds and they give you plenty of warning of the, the games that are coming up you can also get onto that website as well and see the highlights of the games that have been um, played there so far 
but of uh, all the events, Matt, that are going on in the hockey world at the moment, probably the most interesting one is happening in Dakar in Bangladesh, and that is the Hero Asian Cup. Now, as we go to air, we're about, well, we're just got through the pool stages of the tournament. So we're coming to the Super Fours section. Yeah, Super Fours is the pointy end of the competition there. We talk about all these different <laughs> formats than how the game is played. And so the system for the Hero Asia Cup for men is that once the two sets of four team pools have taken place, the top two from both of those pool groups go through to the Super Fours. And that Super Fours is another round robin competition. So you're going to get a duplication of uh, from of one game from uh, from each pool happening in the Super Fours. Uh, so we'll get uh, Korea versus Malaysia again, and we'll also get India versus Pakistan again. Uh, the draw was delayed a little bit, which we believe was for for TV rights, so they could uh, get things scheduled for prime time in various countries there, and obviously. To try and give that headline game to India versus Pakistan, it's going to be very interesting. But so once they they then play off uh, that pool, that round robin uh, Super Four, then the first and second play each other in the final, and the third versus fourth uh, play each other. Uh, and that both happens on the twenty seventh, twenty uh, second of October. So essentially, what we've we've started with is a, a tournament with eight teams. They've whittled those, and those eight teams have played a round robin series within two pools yep. now what they've done is they've halved those eight teams to four and they're going to play another round robin and at the end of that second round robin you'll get to your finalists that's right and so no, there's no semi-finals no, there is no knockout component to this tournament at all no just I think maybe just with the ranking for the final games on the ranking to see whether you finish fifth or sixth seventh seventh or eighth that's the at, at the back end of the um of the second round of pool games, so they're not even knockouts; they're ranking games. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, okay, yeah. So it's not a no, there's no progression yeah. after uh, after the game. And it, it's something we've noticed has been creeping into tournaments as well: the, the lack of this knockout feature of of finals. And they it, everybody plays for as long as they can. They squeeze as many games as they possibly can, and just at the end of it, well, top two teams play, which yeah. is similar to a league that we would play. In well, we talked we, we talked last week about the differences in the game, and and you can have shootouts, you can have penalty strokes, you. Can can have extra time. You can have golden goal extra time. You cannot have any extra time at all, and you can have the US model of a uh, well, it's extra time, but it's seven v seven overtime. There's all these different variants uh, going on. I do note, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about Africa Hockey Cup and the uh, African Cup of Nations in just a moment. But they'll play their sets of pool games, and then uh, first versus second, third versus fourth, fifth versus sixth from the the two groups of six. That's the final setup at the end of the pool game. So that makes the tournament uh, a seven-day tournament, whereas the uh, Hero Asia Cup in Bangladesh that's a 11-12-day tournament that, that 11, yeah, 11-day tournament that that takes place. Now, just quickly, we'll go through some of the results and some of the games coming up. Perhaps by the time you listen to this podcast, these games will already have been played, some of them. But uh, we're still a few days away from the final. Um, <laughs> during the round games, uh, India finished top of their their group. Uh, Pakistan finished second. The, the Japanese, who are pretty unlucky, I thought they they could easily have finished in that second position. They finished third, and um, the Bangladeshis sadly couldn't really get a score on the board. I think they might have scored one against the Japanese there, but yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, pretty much went to rankings that particular side of the draw. In the other side of the draw, um, Malaysia, China, Korea, and Oman. That was interesting because the Koreans and the Malaysians have got through. 
to the next round. Uh, and so Japan, oh, sorry, India, Pakistan, Malaysia and Korea, South Korea will be playing in the Super 4 section. The other four teams would be, would be Bangladesh, Japan, um, China and Oman will be playing the place getters section of the tournament. So five to eight. A couple of things with that. I thought China didn't really get, you know, didn't perform particularly well, but they worked really bloody hard in the games that I saw. There were some real engines on on the field there. Yeah, they yeah. just yeah, missed out a little bit. Um, I expected a little bit more out of Japan, but they're obviously in a building phase. Everything's going towards Tokyo. Um, so you know they're they're um, they're there or thereabouts with it. Uh, yeah, I think they were a little bit un- un- unlucky. Um, you know, Korea, they've won the tournament more than anybody else. Uh, they won it last time around. And, uh, you know, they, they could be the dark horse in the final four there. I'd expect Malaysia to play well. And, uh, you know, everybody thinks that it's going to be an India-Pakistan final. Well, there is a World Cup place on the line here. India and Pakistan are already going. Um, so that incentive is there, isn't it? And it is for the Malaysians. Yeah. Does, does it, does it, uh, De-incentivise uh, performance for India-Pakistan. Probably not. There's a lot to play for. Pakistan are really looking, as you'll hear from oh, our yeah. interview later on. Pakistan are really looking to improve, and uh, India, underneath uh, the, the new coach, Suud Marena. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> you know, have, have, have got a lot to prove themselves. There's some some new faces in there, and uh, so it's it's all to play for. Well, the pressure's on India because if you're taking note of social media over the weekend after their 3-1 victory over Pakistan, you'd be thinking India already have the tournament wrapped up and ready to go. Well, yeah, uh, but that's certainly not what I've read coming out of Hockey India. No. Uh, so they, they had a, India had a 3-1 win over Pakistan in their final round game. And, uh, yeah, from, from the onlookers and the Indian media, um, it was, yeah, they smashed Pakistan and, uh, and look out everybody, here comes India. But it was a much more humble and uh, accurate representation of actually what went on coming out of um, out of the hockey India. India should be not worried but they should have some concerns and be think, know that they have some areas of their game that they have to tidy up because Pakistan wasn't that far off them and it, they could very easily have scored another two goals in that that last quarter on the other day. Yeah, so I think they put the pressure on themselves. They let themselves down with two yellow cards in the space mm. of about 10 seconds. And uh, I'll note that India didn't actually score within that time period, but there was a certain amount of pressure that was put on put on Pakistan defensively. What, what interested me about that moment is that might have been a time in recent years a Pakistan team fell apart and they didn't. They worked their way through it. They they really went for it and they didn't allow that to upset them. Yeah. And I think that's a good sign of the maturity of the group they've got. Yeah, lo- lo- lots, lots to look forward to this weekend and over the next few days with that tournament. So as that finishes on the 22nd with the Africa Cup of Nations gets underway for men and women in Ismailia in Egypt. So the nations competing uh, um, for both the men's and the women's tournament are Egypt, Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa and Zambia. So the same six teams for both men's and women's tournaments there. Um, you know, of note, I guess, in the men's side of the tournament, South Africa will be top ranked there. They've got current world ranking, FIH world ranking of 15th. Egypt close behind them with world ranking of 19th. You might remember from the Hockey World League semi had in Joburg um, earlier on in the year that Egypt got up over South Africa and had the win. They're also on home soil for this tournament, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. But the other sides involved in the tournament, there's nobody else within the top 35 ranking spots uh, within the world. So, 
you'd think it's going to be an experience thing and a and a and a points uh, FIH points ranking uh, gaining system for them. Uh, but you know, it should be a great tournament on the women's side. Very similar again. South Africa are the the top ranked team in the tournament. The women's side they are ranked 13th. The next closest ranked team in the Ghanaians at, at rank 32. Uh, you know, South Africa have been a very good performer at, at the top level for a, a number of years. So, you know, you could pretty much guarantee, I think, that they're going to win the tournament. So, when we look at the qualification there, Matt, what do we end up with? Because we've we've talked about how uh, problematic it is trying to figure out all of this stuff sometimes. So, if if you if as you would expect, the South African women's team would win the African Cup of Nations. Yeah. You know, being the easily the top ranked side there. So they've already qualified, so that would mean it would then go back to those Hockey World League semi-final um, positions and ranking positions. So next cab off the rank there would be India. Okay. Now of course India have got their Asia Cup coming Qualifier. up. Um, so well, the, the Continental Championship. Yep. Now out of that Continental Championship for women um, in Asia, you've already got Korea, uh, Japan, and China all already qualified. So. If one of those sides were to win that Asia Cup, then Belgium would be the next next team to win. That's if India were to win that. that competition, then Belgium would be the next the next team to go to go through there. So you'd still be very hopeful as the as the Belgian side to, to okay. get the hockey. Malaysia win the Women's World Cup. So sorry, Malaysia win the Asian Cup. What yeah. does that? India would qualify if South Africa. So yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so India India are looking a good chance, whatever way round. But it could also still be in their hands. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be. It's 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 basically what this is going to is mean is Belgium are going to be the side that are going to potentially benefit on whatever myriad or combination of results could happen out of the yeah. couple of tournaments that are still to be finished off there. Now that's on the the women's side of things. On the men's side of things, uh, we've got the Asia Cup going on at the moment or well, coming up. So that place is still yet to be decided. Asia, yeah, Asia uh, Cup could, could go on all, up. Yeah, could go in all sorts of different ways. But with India and Pakistan having already qualified, Malaysia could potentially qualify through that path. Um, And I think Malaysia might actually be the next men's team that's on the ranks anyway. So even if they don't win, they're probably in there as well. What I do like on the Africa Cup side of things is the men's competition because it's one of the very few pure continental championships that we're going to have and I say that because no one has qualified for the World Cup on the men's side of the draw. There are no permutations involved here. Win you're in. If you don't win you're not going to get in the back door and no other country's waiting sitting around for results wondering if they're going to get in or out it's going to just be that team will qualify. Yeah, a lot on the line for it, and you know, as we, we said before, South Africa and Egypt are the ones that are most likely to be playing off in the final there. But who knows what can happen? I've really liked the I've been catching up with lots of Kenyan hockey recently, yes. and uh, you know, the good things are being done there. And you know, who knows what's going to come out of Zambia and Ghana and, and Nigeria? So all and, to play for. And I would like a little shout out to the people from Cameroon hockey because they've followed me on Twitter. They're, they're 25% of my Twitter followers. John's uh, just made his way into the Twitter art. He, <laughs> he's yet to tweet. He's still got a blue egg. Um, but bless him, he's getting there. I've, I've sent a couple of replies. Yeah. Oh, well, you, had, you did actually make a good point on something which we'll bring up towards the end of the show and okay. feedback. No worries. Oh, well, have we got through all the news? No, we haven't. Oh, 
couple more things to talk about. We've uh, uh, one thing I'd just say before we talk about uh, the Euro Hockey League knockout 16, and we'll oh, just yeah. take you through the draw of that, which has happened this week. There's also the first ever para hockey tournament took place in Ireland. Oh yes, um, three team competition between Railway Union, Monkstown, and hosted by Three Rock Rovers, home club of uh, Stephen uh, from Euro Hockey that we we spoke to recently. Also a gentleman called Brian Mellon. Hope you're still playing with the blue stick, Brian. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, really well done there. Lots of fun seems to be had there at, at Three Rock Rovers with the the Para Hockey Championship. And uh, we hope to bring you more on Para Hockey over the coming weeks. We did have an interview with uh, a gentleman from Access Sport in the UK, and then we had a, uh, a malfunction with equipment. So we're hoping to get Adam back on again and uh, talk to you all about the Flyers program in the UK and a bit more about para hockey in Europe yeah. but and you'll be able to find out more about the melon and the blue stick in our Christmas edition of the reverse stick <laughs> <laughs> yes there will be some highlights packages coming out <laughs> so yeah on to Euro Hockey League knockout 16 John do you want to pull that up on the screen and, I'd, uh, we'll I'll take go. we'll take you through the uh, the draw there's uh, yeah some real 16 teams knockout this is really good knockout. I like so, it so this is what it's all about and yep. uh, so that's all going to be taking place in uh, in Rotterdam next year so let's go through the draw so starting things off we have SV Kampong versus uh, KTHC Rathweiss Köln Racing Club de Bruxelles versus Dynamo Kazan Holcomb Hockey Club versus Real Club de Polo de Barcelona Making their entry into the competition for the first time. Royal Heracles from Belgium. Uh, they're going to take on Athletic Terrassa from Spain. KHC Dragons from Belgium. Versus HC Dwyer. Sorry, Blumendahl. I'll get it right. Uh, Saint-Germain en français. They're taking on Three Rock Rovers. Three Rock Rovers, second mention of the show this evening. Uh, Racing Club de France. Taking on Uhlenhorst Mulheim. And finally, rounding out the uh, the eight games, there is Hockey Club Rotterdam, the home side against Mannheimer from Germany. Germany, so look, some really mouth-watering challenges there. There's uh, looking at the draw there. There's a few that you would expect to be getting straight through to the last four there on the on the draw, and uh, make, you know, maybe there's a little bit of an easier side of the draw um, on one side than the other. But look, there's going to be some really great entertainment there, oh. and, and if you can get get along to that knockout 16. Over the, I think it's over the Easter weekend, isn't it? Well, we can scroll um, up. It's yeah, no, the magic of technology, yeah, my no, friend. I believe it's the Easter weekend that that's being held there. So, yeah, it's a long weekend for those of you in Europe. March the 30th to the 2nd of April. There we go. And uh, you can grab your tickets now. They're available and on sale. So head along to Euro Hockey TV, and uh, you can find out all about that there. You can it also will be get broadcast. Yes, we'll, oh, be, we'll, 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 we'll be broadcast. But if you missed any of the uh, the knockout, uh, uh, sorry, the not the knockout, yeah, the knockouts, 32. No, pool stages. Yeah, the pool stages, the, the 32 there. Then you can go and watch those games again. There's also some really good highlights packages as well. So some really super hockey action. So if you missed any of that, you can get online to eurohockeytv.org and, and find out all about it. Oh, That's the news. That's the news. No more news. <laughs> And next up, it's time for our featured interview. It's going to be another long show. Oh, God, it's going to be a long show. Uh, and oh, sorry, I just want to... It's going to be another long show! <laughs> I hope you're enjoying uh, it. Look, we hope you enjoy this interview too, because it was a real pleasure to talk to Mr. Ejaj Chowdhury, the Pakistan Hockey Federation Media Manager. Pakistan's been making some great strides off the field recently, and uh, they're certainly looking to make their mark on the field. Uh, 
Pakistan, I'll tell you, they're my favourite international team, hands down. As a kid, and I loved watching Pakistan play hockey, and I really, really hope that Pakistan can once again become a real force on the world hockey stage. So let's get to the interview, shall we? Yeah, look, let's get to the interview. Um, it's exciting times there, and great to see such a hockey legend as Shabazz Ahmed um, at the ham, or secretary of the, the PHF. You can keep uh, have a look at uh, packhockey.org to find out more. You can find them on Twitter at PHF Official. You can also find them on Facebook there as well. And joining us today on The Reverse Stick is the Pakistan Hockey Federation Media Manager, Ejaz Chowdhury. And uh, gather it would be a very busy time for Ejaz at the moment. The Asia Cup is underway. We're about halfway through as this conversation's happening. But welcome to The Reverse Stick, Ejaz. Uh, thank you, John, my player. Now, I mentioned there we're halfway through the Asia Cup. Um, Pakistan have made it through to the Super Fours part of the tournament. I dare say everybody's pretty happy about that. Yes, these days uh, when uh, we have not been doing very well and uh, we just managed to draw against Japan 2-2 and that carried us through. So now in, uh, once you are in this Super 4, so anything could happen. And now uh, Malaysia, they are doing so well. As you know, they were they, uh, finished the best among the Asians at the Hockey World League in uh, London when, uh, when they defeated India to qualify for the semifinals. So they are a good team. And uh, South Korea, uh, they, also, they always do well in the Asian uh, events and uh, perhaps you know that the other three that is Pakistan, India and Malaysia have already qualified for the World Cup Yeah. so for South Korea there is a big incentive uh, to win this uh, cup more than the other three sides I reckon <laughs> that, that, that's a good point um, just on the, the pool games the, uh, the game against India the final pool game which you, uh, eventually lost I thought Pakistan played very well, especially considering they had two men sent off at one stage, and perhaps it was a sign of the maturity of the team that they didn't lose the plot and go down 7 or 8 nil. they really fought it out hard. Yes, you are right. Uh, unfortunately, uh, one has to compare this performance with what Pakistan did in London, as you rightly said, where they lost 7-1 and 6-1. So from that perspective, you could say there's an improvement, but still... Uh, I think that India were a better side uh, most of the time and uh, they deserve to win. So, but still uh, coming from those shockers, one may say that, uh, to this <laughs> result is still an improvement. Now, Ejaz, we wanted to get you on today to talk about Pakistan hockey in general and one of the things that Pakistan's taken a great leap forward with in recent times is their... Uh, Appearance on social media. You've just opened a, a released a new website. It's a fantastic website, and you've been very active on the uh, the fa- this Facebook and and the Twitter. Is that uh, a deliberate thing on on the part of you guys to make yourselves a bit more relevant? Yes, that's right. As I told you, uh, we, uh, the federation they hired a uh, chap who's a real professional and good at that. And he, this is his not full time job. He sits here from nine to five. And uh, yours truly uh, provides him with the information, the statistics, uh, some missing links. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, some of the national champion championships 
reserves. The name of the winners and the runners of the team were missing. So I contacted players from that era and managed to get that. And some other things uh, which were missing, some records were uh, corrected. Uh, so now, and uh, that chap is uh, working on it all the time and updating with pictures and the news and information. So yes, so that was uh, the aim of the Pakistan Hockey Federation uh, to reinvigorate uh, Pakistan hockey on social media. And you've also been pushing ahead with uh, this, the game itself. You've recently held the Nines tournament, and I don't want to try and pronounce it. I'll let you know, pronounce the name of that one. <laughs> um, uh, yes. But that w- uh, yes, that is uh, yes. It was called Nishane Heather, and it was uh, again uh, uh, linked to Army. Nishane Heather is the highest gallantry award uh, in the Pakistan Army, and there were 11 win- uh, people who have been awarded that, and the 11 teams were named after each of those. Uh, they were all uh, killed in the wars and got the highest gallantry award, and the, all 11 teams were named after uh, those soldiers and officers. And uh, they also managed to get 11 players, seven from Australia and four from Argentina, all goalkeepers who played for uh, these teams. Now, was there a specific reason why you targeted goalkeepers, or did it just happen to turn uh, out that way? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that surprises everyone. Uh, but I, I didn't <laughs> ask Shabazz, uh, the secretary, what was the reason, and also I also got curious. And uh, <laughs> I really, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not aware of the uh, exact reason for that. Regardless of the fact that they were goalies, though, they all seemed to have a good time over there. The, the vision and the photos that were coming out, everybody seemed to really enjoy themselves. Uh, oh, yes, yes, they were all very happy and uh, had a good time here. And uh, in Pakistan, is uh, hospitable people. Uh, and they also are uh, very keen to see that your guests have a good time here in Pakistan. <laughs> now, one of the interesting features of that tournament, and certainly we talked about it on the reverse stick, was opening the games with a penalty shootout. Oh yes, that's another, um, you can say, to create more interest, to have a little match before the match. Uh, this, this uh, uh, as I said, to make it something new or different. So the nine side in itself. So it's just uh, an innovation. (laughs) (laughs) No, it certainly spiced things up, that's for sure. Can we move on and and take a look at uh, Pakistan hockey uh, at a more whole level? And what sort of place does does hockey have in the Pakistan society? From outside, it seems as though it was a, a major sport and it perhaps slipped down the scale a little bit, but it's certainly making a resurgence now. Yes, it is still, you can say, a major sport. It is the official national sport of Pakistan, right? Wow. And uh, also the only sport which has given Pakistan golds and silvers at the Olympics, three of each color. Um, but uh, since we are not having good results, the interest has uh, dwindled. And uh, we were out of the World Cup 2014, could not make it to the Olympics last year either. But uh, now that we have made it to the next World Cup, and also you must have uh, read about the Hockey Pro League, yeah. the ambitious program of uh, the FIH 
So Pakistan has also qualified for that. Uh, one cricket obviously gets the, in this part of the world as in the entire South Asia, not only Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. Mm. So that is streets ahead of rest of the sports uh, in Pakistan as well. And then um, uh, because of this advent of TV channels, the European soccer leagues, uh, they are being live, the matches over yeah. weekends. So if I, just on this Saturday, uh, I get four channels at my home, the four, four sports channels, and each one was showing a live match. One English Premier League, the others La Liga, one from the French League, and one from the Bundesliga. So though Pakistan stands nowhere in soccer, but the youth and the kids, uh, they are now very much interested in soccer. And they follow the, the teams, uh, especially the English Premier League. And uh, the, everyone you uh, come across a child wearing a Messi shirt or a Ronaldo shirt. So all this uh, hockey doesn't enjoy that uh, sport or the popularity it used to be. So there are so many factors, as you know. The poor results are, I think, the main factor. And uh, still, we haven't started a pro league. As you know, the league is the most important thing uh, for a sport. So, plus this popularity of uh, uh, increasing popularity of soccer, the European soccer. So, it has dwindled, but still uh, people follow whenever Pakistan goes in an event as presently the Asia Cup. So, with regard to the, the sides like the airline sides, is there a, a particular corporate pride for, for those organizations to have success with hockey? Well, you can say that because PIA, the Pakistan International, has been the most successful team. They have won the nationals more than any other uh, team. Uh, but uh, in recent times, uh, there used to be a lot of departmental teams, but some departments, they have closed down their sports divisions altogether uh, for the for downsizing uh, right sizing in the private sector and especially the public sector so we don't have that many department teams which we used to have and those which are there many of them they now take place on contract not offering them the permanent jobs that is another reason one may say that the interest uh, of youth in hockey has declined because in this part of the world uh, survival is of paramount importance. So the parents they want to have secure future for their kids. And I remember it used to be a great incentive uh, for the youth to play hockey that they used to get good jobs. And they, yes, so that is another factor. Is it an expensive sport for you to play in Pakistan? Because obviously we know that places like Sialkot are, you know, a hotbed of, of stick manufacturing. And is it easy for for youth to purchase a stick or get hold of a stick there? Oh uh, yes, now this this uh, graphite or composite stick, whatever you call it, it is an expensive thing uh, for a Pakistani to buy, especially to play at a good level. Plus, for synthetic turf, as you know, you need special shoes. So that is another expensive item. So it is, an, uh, you can say, for a common man, a, a costly game now nowadays. Ejaz, what are the biggest challenges facing Pakistan hockey looking to the future? We have to have a pro league 
the, look, India has improved so much with that Hockey India League, right? Yeah. Uh, when, when you rub shoulders day in and day out with world's best players, you're bound to improve. And then um, it uh, on the media, interest develops. And in cricket, in the PSL, the Pakistan Super League, has done so much uh, to increase people's interest. The Quetta Gladiators, who played the final, they had just one player from that province, and yet everyone in that province was uh, following its progress, especially in the, in the final was shown on big screens in Quetta uh, and other places in that province. So you have to have the police to uh, lure people, um, to lure you, and obviously uh, money is an important thing, especially in this part of the world. So in India, the HIL players have been auctioned over $100,000, right? Yeah. Which was unheard of in this sport. So, so we need to have, in my opinion, and um, I have mentioned that to Shabazz, that Pro League is the most important That's for the standards, uh, for increase, uh, increase, increasing interest among youth and the general public. And um, so they say that uh, there might be something in April next year, and, uh, but that has been going on for quite some time. Uh, that we are going to a goalie, but but let's hope. <laughs> so, yeah. in my opinion, that is of their amount of importance to have a league. That's Mr. Ejaz Chowdhury, the. Pakistan Hockey Federation media manager. We'll be hearing more from Ejaz a little bit later, fairly soon. Um, and uh, he's pretty forthright in what he when he talks. And it's good to see that you know Pakistan wants to be part of the rest of the world, and they desperately want us to want them as well. I think, and uh, I'd want them there. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I nearly went for an absolutely grab a, grab a finger. <laughs> and <laughs> and add <laughs> Yeah, look, it's really heartening, heartening to hear and heartening to see, and it's and it's refreshing to to learn a bit more about Pakistan, but Absolutely. also a, a frank and honest assessment of where they're at. Yeah, yeah. But before we get back to Ejaz, a uh, couple of other things. What can we talk about, Matt? Uh, well, there's a little yeah. article I saw popped up on a hockeyworld.net <laughs> this week by um, a guest contributor, a gentleman by the name of Mr. John Lee. Yeah. What was that all about, John? Well. You'll be able to read that on our website, thereversestick.net, after Thursday. Uh, but I was watching the the Oceania Cup, and uh, some good hockey played amongst the Australian and New Zealand teams. It was it was quite interesting at times, perhaps a bit predictable on the men's side of things, but the women's games were very competitive. And um, it, I, as I was watching, I noticed the teams, because of the nature of the fact that they were playing with each other, against each other within 24 hours it was about 20 hours between the end of one game and when Australia and New Zealand would have to play each other in the final oh, so, so the, in the women's in game the women's it, it game. was Australia versus New Zealand, New Zealand. and then yeah. 20 hours later it was, it was a short tournament it wasn't yeah, a week yeah. long it was you know, three That's or four right. days and, and it, during the, uh, the final pool game it became apparent that both teams were taking a different approach to the way they would prepare for the final the next day, given that there was such a short turnaround. The Australians started playing what you'd call a short bench. They were playing, I think, they only played two off the bench. They had a couple of injury concerns, admittedly, but they only played those two players off the bench. Anyway, New Zealand did come back in the second half for more than just the reason I'm about 
to purport now, but it was obvious that the Australians had become fatigued and that the lack of rotations had meant that they were starting to run out of a little bit of puff. And it got me thinking in a broader scale about whether as a sport we need to look at whether fatigue is actually a factor that we want in our game. Now, I say this on the back of what the NRL's done in the National Rugby League here in Australia. They cap their um, interchanges, and it's a very low cap. I think it's 13 for the game, or it might be 13 for half, but it's, it's a very low number of interchanges they can make. And what they want to do is bring back fatigue into their game. Because it's such a high-impact game, they don't want people to be able to run smashing into people at that rate for the length of their game. They want fatigue to be a factor. They want to bring smaller players into it because the big guys are able to stay out there longer and just smash through it and exact. Now, it's a different sport, obviously, with different dynamics, but it's an interesting thought that fatigue is actually a central part of sport and it's an essential part of the mythology of sport. And the example I use is Rocky from the Rocky films. Now, Rocky is not a hero because he walks into the, into the ring and smashes the crap out of Apollo Creed. No, the beauty of the Rocky story is that Rocky is pounded. He's got nothing left. He's just been smashed. And he still gets up and he's able to hang on and able to just keep fighting. And that's something that I think is disappearing from our sport. Watch guys and girls who come off for those half-time or full-time interviews. Oh, how did you go, Bob? Thought you played well. Oh, but, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, we, mate, you know, we went out, we, we followed yeah. our processes today and we're all really happy with it and we, we kept to the plan and, uh, and you can hear everything they say. There's no... <laughs> when, when was the last time you saw an international hockey player come off for one of those interviews and turn, turn to the guy and say, I'm sorry, I've got to throw up? <laughs> you know... <laughs> Well it's, well, it's something that I've brought up on social media a little bit when, when we've talked about the, the four quarters and the 15-minute quarters. And there's something I like about the game being 35 minutes and there's that attrition rate and you, and you, and you see exactly. that, that some sides are struggling and others, they get a second wind and, and, you know, there's nothing better than a comeback win, is there? Well, that's it. Now, I'm not advocating we immediately go out and revert to the old style. No, you know, once you're substituted, you're on the bench. and that's Or 11 players and there's no substitute yeah, exactly. But I'm just putting it forward that, um, you know, it's worth considering. I, I think uh, fatigue is an essential part of the mythology of sport. And if we don't have it in our sport, maybe we are missing out on something. Well, we certainly... The level of sports science, the fitness, the programs oh, yeah. that are put in place. Hockey players and sports people all over the world have never been fitter. And not only that, we've cut ten minutes off the game. <laughs> there is that, and then people say, "Look, okay, so we're, but we're, we're, we're not stopping time for this, and we're, you know, there's, there's lots of considerations and factors that there might be exactly the same amount of hockey being played. I mean, bear in mind that." You know, some teams, I might be included in this sometimes, that uh, if you can throw a ball as hard as you can and it goes down the embankment and somebody's got to run down and get it, if you're 1-0 up, that two or three minutes in retrieving the ball might be of benefit to you. But that's not a consideration when it comes to top-level games. You've got ball boys and ball girls there that are ready to... As a fullback, you love playing at a ground that's got a a lake or something like that nearby (laughs) because you know you've always got a release ball. When the pressure's getting too tough, you've got a release ball. Yeah, and there's there's nobody there waiting to throw balls onto the field for you. (laughs) But but it's a a fair point. It's a a genuine, valid point. And like I said, I think that attrition rate is something that's important for for sport and it's something that's important for hockey 
um, yeah, it's a it's a wider conversation that needs to be had. And I'd like to hear people's opinions on it too. If you you know, send us an email, the um, admin a d m i n at the reverse stick dot net. You oh, can send us an email there. You've got right. the social. Yeah, so you can get get hold of us on Facebook forward slash the reverse stick and on Twitter forward slash the reverse stick. Get on, like and follow, and send yeah. us your comments. And now it's time to get back to our featured interview. This week we're talking to Mr. Ejaz Chowdhury. He's the media manager for the Pakistan Hockey Federation. And uh, we're going to pick it up with Matt asking him a question about women's hockey in Pakistan. Now we hear a lot about the men's team. I'd, I'd note that the women's team have got the Asian Challenge and Championship Challenge coming up. Uh, what, yeah. where, where does the, the women's game sit within the country? Well, uh, as you know, uh, in uh, our society, Islamic society, you can say uh, women, there are taboos. Uh, they mostly play within the four walls of their university or colleges. And uh, uh, But uh, that, uh, I must appreciate, this uh, federation, uh, it was uh, this, they participated in Asian Hockey Federation, AHF Cup, uh, which was uh, for the second tier teams of Asia early this year and that was the first time in three years that uh, the women team they participated in any international event and they produced excellent desserts. They made it to the semi-finals to the surprise of everyone and had they made to the final then they would have made uh, qualified for the Asia Cup that is the uh, event for the first tier teams. Yeah. Right? So now, and as you yourself said, uh, they are here in this very uh, National Hockey Stadium where I am sitting, where I have my office. The camp is presently in progress here for this Asian Challenge. So is it is it something that uh, a young girl growing up in Pakistan can aspire to to represent their country, or is it is it a, a different route? Yes, uh, uh, the interest is there, and especially in Lahore, there are a couple of academies exclusively for women. Uh, they are being run by private enthusiasts, and uh, they are doing a good job. One is a Rava Academy, and uh, six of their girls have been selected in this Pakistan team. And again, they provide like, uh, in this part of the world, it is uh, uh, difficult for women to move around on her own. So they provide uh, transport and uh, also uh, some stipend to the needy girls and arrange for their education. So there are one or two academies in Lahore that I know uh, who are doing uh, some good job. So girls can get girls can get there on ability. It's not just the fact that they've got wealthy parents or a financial backing no, no, to get them no, in no, there. No, no, mostly again uh, the girls uh, they are. Because in a sport like hockey it, uh, today, uh, it's uh, very evident uh, that who can go and uh, they are selected on merit uh, as far as the national team is concerned. And as, as I said, that uh, they pro- uh, produced good result in the AHF Cup early this year. Uh, do the women get any sort of media coverage at all, Ajaz, or is it strictly men's sport? Uh, Women hockey, little uh, media coverage, for instance, what I send uh, press releases. In the print media, yes, uh, they do get their events covered, the national 
championships and some other big tournaments and uh, also of course uh, when they play international uh, uh, when the Pakistan team goes out in the print media and uh, the TV also the news at least the news is there but uh, as again as there is no such league or something which can be covered yeah. right mm-hmm. so the matches are not covered and in the men also the uh, these days the coverage is very poor even the national there's a PTV sports is an exclusive sports channel the government channel and they even they are not covering this uh, Asia Cup not even the Pakistan matches Recently we had, uh, actually not recently, quite a while ago now, Terry Walsh was one of our guests on the show and he spoke tremendously fondly of spending time in Pakistan and playing in front of crowds of up to 70,000 people. Is that something that is feasible in the future? Can we see those crowds back again at games in Pakistan? No harm in dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I have been a part of that 70,000 crowd couple of times in this very stadium, right? Wow. And uh, because of, as you know, because this terror threat, teams are not coming to Pakistan, yeah. right, in the first place. So there's a long way to go that uh, the teams start coming, then we can have a big event. Obviously, they come only come for a big event, not for one odd game. So when there's like Champions Trophy and like World Cup, which we had in 1990, Champions Trophy, we used to have so many Champions Trophy, as you know. Yeah. In Karachi in Lahore. So, whenever Pakistan was doing well, and yes, the stadiums used to get filled. So, we can only dream as right now. Let's hope, although the situation has improved, uh, maybe two, three years back, it used to be some uh, blast or some uh, suicide attack. Two or three times, twice or twice every week. Then it went like, Weeks. Now things have improved. We, months uh, go by before we had this some unfortunate incident. But things have improved. As you know, um, the World 11 cricket team, they came, they played three games here in Lahore. I also went to watch one. And now um, the Hockey Federation, uh, they have announced that there will be a World 11, some star study team visiting uh, Pakistan in the first week of December. And they will be playing a match each in Lahore, Karachi, and uh, uh, Rawalpindi. So oh. things are uh, moving, but there's a long way to go. Well, um, Matt and I have dubbed ourselves in. If you can manage to get India up to Karachi to play a test match, we're there. We've promised we'll be there. We'll have our credit cards out for tickets first in line. <laughs> <laughs> I know the India-Pakistan matches, uh, they still arouse a lot of interest uh, all over the world, uh, for, uh, every hockey fan. But uh, India, as you know, they are not prepared to play against Pakistan in cricket, even in uh, the neutral uh, venue, yeah. that is yeah. the UAE. So they are refusing uh, the cricket board, they, hasn't, they haven't played, uh, though they had committed so, what to talk of coming to Pakistan? <laughs> now, we're, we're on the cusp of uh, Asia Cup Super Fours. And uh, we right. know, we, just at our mm-hmm. time, the, the draw's just been made last night. Um, you know, have you got any predictions for the, the, for the final two? <laughs> Hopefully, India versus Pakistan. Uh, that's what uh, I think even you would like to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> 
as I mentioned earlier, that Malaysia has been doing very well uh, recently. They were the only Asian team to qualify for the semi-finals at the Hockey World League. Uh, they surprised India, and they deprived them. India was on the road there, having defeated to Pakistan 7-1, and uh, they couldn't qualify. And so uh, Malaysia is there. And South Korea, because as I uh, mentioned earlier, that uh, uh, they have the biggest incentive here to make it to the World Cup. The only way they can make it to the World Cup is by winning the Asia Cup. The other three, India, Pakistan and Malaysia, uh, they have already qualified. So it's going to be an interesting show. I think India the, should make it to the final. And uh, for other three, um, uh, one can't be sure. Hopefully Pakistan makes it. <laughs> We'll keep our fingers crossed for well, you. Ajaz, from what, what little I have seen of the Asia Cup, it strikes me that if someone takes it up to India, I get the feeling they might not like that. And if a team can hold them for long enough, I think the Indians might feel a little bit of pressure. They've been, they're certainly solidly back from home. If you read the socials coming out of India, that they've already won the tournament. So I think there's, there's space there for people. If, if a team can put a real strong effort in and really work hard against them, they could come away with the result. Yes, the pressure is on them because they are, you can say, everyone's favourites on, on the, the current form or the performance, recent performances. You can say that and that's right. If they are under pressure because uh, whenever uh, the hot favourites become under pressure, so that is the pressure. You're right in saying that. Uh, and the other like say Malaysia and Pakistan because um, uh, Pakistan normally even the more even the federation and the normal that if they qualify for the final that will be uh, great right so if any team uh, can put real pressure and that can happen as Malaysia in the last meeting Malaysia defeated them Right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, South Korea, you never know in the Asian events, they can, they are, have been, and perhaps you know, they have won this event more than uh, any other team. Yeah. They have been the winner four times. Pakistan has won it yeah. twice, India only twice. Yeah, we're, we're, we're feeling the good vibes coming out of Pakistan hockey at the moment, and uh, like, like I mentioned when, when uh, I first spoke to you, that it's, it's great to see the progress being made, and it's, it's almost like you, you're stepping into a new century with the, you know, the the quality of the social media posts and the consistency and you know the regular nature of them. It's so important to keep people informed, and and it gives us from outside of Pakistan a, a little bit of an insight in, into the the world of hockey in Pakistan. Oh, that's right, and uh, these things are very essential, and it's good that uh, they have hired a good professional chap for this and. Uh, uh, that's what uh, that might be a bit of self-praising, but uh, people say since I joined them as the media manager, and so in, uh, from that point of view also, um, the things have improved. <laughs> so let's hope they get uh, professionals in every sphere, more importantly in the team management. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Ejaz. Good luck with the rest of the Asian Cup, and we will chat to you oh, again very you. soon. Thank you. It was a great pleasure to have such a wonderful chat with you. And that is Mr. Ejaz Chowdhury. 
is the media manager for the Pakistan Hockey Federation and we hope to speak to Ejaz more in the future and stay very much in touch with what's happening in Pakistan hockey. Yep, keep an eye on the social media and search Pack Hockey and look at the website packhockey.org. I really do recommend, if you love your hockey, go and check out that website. I, I might have been a little bit flippant over the past couple of weeks when they were starting to build the website up and you could only get password-protected access and then the pages weren't available. So maybe they launched it a little bit too early without actually getting everything backed up and sorted out on there. But go and have a look at it now. and It's, it's up there with some of the best uh, hockey, hockey websites in the world. Hands down, yeah. really, really great stuff. It's good, and the the way they've embraced social media as well. Uh, I know trying to um, get this interview, we did it through Facebook, through their Facebook page, got in touch with them there. No problems at all. They were really nice and really responsive, and as you and I both know, and probably other people in the media would know, sometimes hockey authorities and organisations can be a right pain in the rear end to deal with, and these guys were fantastic. Not mentioning any names, but... Uh if we've made contact with you, it'd be nice to get a response. Right, Matt, what else have we got to get through before we get to the uh, the final part of the program? Uh, just We moved away from Oceania Hockey um, a moment ago, but we did mention before about the relevance of the Oceania uh, Hockey Association uh, and yeah. where it may or may not fit in with Asia Hockey. There was a great article which was put out by Ashley Morrison, not the com. <laughs> Uh, this week and uh, amongst other things there's actually a couple of good things from Ashley and one of them rather kindly spoke about some of the things we talked about on this show but let's talk about Oceana and the relevance of Oceana within the Asia Hockey Federation now just as a disclaimer other people who listen to this podcast might know that I do a sports podcast with Ashley Not The Footy Show which you can get at notthefootyshow.com that's right Um, and we recorded the next Not The Footy Show yesterday and Ashley and I, off-air, had quite a robust discussion about that particular article that he wrote, and we both agreed that each of us had really valid points, <laughs> which led us back to the same conundrum we started with. You know, what is the relevance of Oceania? And, um, you know, what, what is there anything we can do about it, or do we live with the model we've got? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, because yeah, people have made light of, PNG being involved in the competition and getting spanked around all over the place and maybe their places maybe alongside similar ranked teams or in the longer format with some of those fives teams moving into 11-a-side hockey um, what's the long-term success and survival of the Oceana region not just in hockey really but across a number of sports and we've seen in soccer where Australia moved out of the Oceania competition to join the Asian Confederation. They then went on and won the, the Asia Cup last time around. New Zealand is still part of the Oceania Com- uh, Confederation, and it's a different route for them to get through to a World Cup, although they're always going to be the likely to be the winners of that Oceania Cup Federation. They've then got to go and play various different playoff co- tournaments and blah, blah, blah. Australia's addition to Asia has strengthened that competition there, no doubt. It's interesting because, uh, as you, you mentioned that, but Australia now finds itself in a position exactly the same as it was when it was playing in the Oceania, Oceania division, and that's having to play a Concacaf team. Yes, yeah, now, yeah. That, that's a that's a separate argument. I think when you when you use the comparison 
with uh, the football and why Australia moved to a different confederation, you do also have to accept that the reason they moved had nothing to do with qualification, everything to do with exposure and sponsorship opportunities and essentially chiching money. That was why Australia desperately wanted to get into Asia. And that's why perhaps there might be forces within Australia that say, yes, that's where we should be playing our hockey as well, is within Asia, because there's where the more commercial opportunities are. And that's going to be a fact of life when you're dealing with small Pacific nations versus places like Taiwan or Japan. Well, certainly for those smaller nations, it would mean they'd be then playing against nations like Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, um, China, one of the bigger ones there. But it's it's going to be, there's going to be more parity and greater competition for those teams. But the issue that was had by soccer, there were a lot of those Asian sides didn't want Australia to join that competition because they would be considered a powerhouse. Now, if Australian hockey and New Zealand hockey were to get involved in the Asia competition, you might find some of those countries that weren't too happy about them joining. However, it would open up some spots, wouldn't it? Well, what, what you could do is just transfer those spots to Asia. Yes, yes. You yes, could yes. actually say because you are so large now as a confederation, you deserve two spots rather than the one spot that most confederations get now. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and bear in mind the way the system works at the moment, you can always qualify through World Hockey League. In fact, if you look at it, most of the nations, the top nations, they don't qualify through winning their their confederation. Hockey, hockey World League is where they win it's Hockey at, World and, League, and, that's and, right. and that's it. Or it's about positions within those Hockey World League semi-finals exactly. to then give the, the World And Cup so maybe that actually will open up more spaces for t- lesser teams if Asia has two spots and you're already getting Australia qualifying and India qualifying. All those nations are already qualifying through the World League process. Yeah, but maybe there's a bigger question there when it comes to Hockey Pro League. <laughs> And the pressures and, uh, you know, where We're going to do a whole show on fixturing and we'll include this because I have, I, I believe that the, we've got the idea of fixturing wrong. Football has, I believe, a better model for this so sort of thing. Soccer? Soccer, football. Yeah. Uh, their, their World Cup qualification process is completely separate from their, their cup process for like your Asia Cup or your European Cup. They have nothing to do with... No, two, whether, two years on, two years off. Yeah, but they also have nothing to do with whether you qualify for a World Cup. They run a separate World Cup qualification process. So, you're saying so maybe that's something we should look at as are, doing as well. Are we too fixated on the ranking system? Because ultimately the rankings give you your places in, in some of the top-of-the-table tournaments, don't they? It's yeah, but you... you World Cup qualifiers are just World Cup qualifiers. They don't depend on where you're ranked. You you don't go to a World Cup qualifier because you're ranked three or 28. No, you no. go because you've entered the tournament. Yes, yeah, yeah. So oh, you can get drawn against anybody. But there are there are ranking systems for most of those soccer tournaments for in in the pool. So you'll get a, a number one. Oh yeah, top, yeah, top, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's a tournament. To quite, that's once you got to the tournament. But but quite in soccer, you, so you could have someone like a powerhouse like Germany, and they go and play games against the Faroe Islands or exactly. San Marino yeah, or yeah. whatever it might be. So in hockey, that would that would be Fiji playing against Australia. Well, that, that essentially that becomes you forget the pro league idea. You've you've got your World Cup, you've you've got your confederations champions. So you're playing international hockey there. Then you've got your World Cup qualifiers. 
And then there's another stage, which I haven't quite figured out. So that's why we've got to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we've got to do a program about fixturing one day. But once again, if you've got any ideas on that, we'd love to get the feedback through the social Absolutely. media channels and, and these are discussions stuff. hockey has to have. We have to have these these discussions because it's no good just letting administrators and and as, as good as they are, and I'm not having a ping at organisations, but as, they need our feedback. They need to know what we want. They can come up with the greatest ideas in the world, but if we're not going to engage with those ideas and we were never going to engage with those ideas and we didn't tell them, then we're pissing against the wind. Yeah. So we've, there's, we've got to have a voice as hockey people so that at least people in these positions know where the wind's blowing, know which way it's going. There was another post from Ashley on the notthefootyshow.com blog the other day that gave us a little mention on the reverse stick. Oh, can I be self-indulgent enough you to, indulge to, to, read, yourself. To, to read out what's uh, said there? So Ashley's written, on the hockey podcast, the reverse stick, that's us. The host discussed, just in case you didn't know, the host discussed putting the same restrictions on a flicked penalty corner as a hit penalty corner. In days gone by, a fiercely struck penalty corner was deemed dangerous. So as a result, all shots could not be higher than the backboard in the goal. Most of our listeners, listeners would know that. Their suggestion is why not put the same restriction on a drag flick? that this too must not rise higher than the hit penalty corner. This idea has a great deal of merit. It will make penalty corners safer. It will possibly reduce the debate as to whether a ball is too high or not when it strikes the first runner. It will still require the drag flicker to showcase great skill, as they will now have to sweep the ball past a sea of legs into the backboard. The ball will still fly at speed, but no longer a defender's heads in the line of fire. It may even reduce the dominance of the drag flickers. Now, the other point with that being that we might not need to search for this two goals for one solution to, to try and reduce the dominance of penalty corners and, and in the game. And we're not talking about banning drag flicks. We're just talking about putting the same restriction that already exists on a hit. And as a fullback of many, many years, let me, given the choice of being hit by a drag flick in the face or hit by a, a ball hit in the face, uh, I'm not sure that there's going to be that much difference. The well, damage is going to be pretty severe. That's right. And so, With a know, mask on or not, you're still going to fracture cheekbones. Yeah, so back, backboard height is going to be is a safer option. And we'd stop having to try and search for these solutions to problems that aren't really there. Yeah, maybe sometimes we make it too complicated. Well, the, you know, as we've talked before, the drag, the drag flick and the high drag flick is a corruption or bending or creative um, look at the rules and, and, and trying mm. to exploit where the rules are at. Now, there's, there's lots of reasons why we've changed things to make uh, things safer in the game. And whilst we've made things safer, uh, you know, for example, we've talked about the own goal before. Well, the own goal was just bloody ridiculous because all that happened was you'd have the bloke with the biggest uh, strike on, of the ball or, or girl with the biggest strike of the ball crashing the ball in and people looking for a deflection or, you know, to, to, to try and make something happen. But the danger element was huge with it. And we knew it was dangerous, so we took it out of the game after a season. Yet, Drag flicks at height haven't been looked at because it's seen as being a skill element within the game. But and it is. It, it, there's no, yeah, there's no yeah. doubt. But that skill has come from a corruption and bending yeah, of the, the rules. rules. And I'm not advocating either. I wouldn't advocate banning a flick from a penalty corner. No, 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 absolutely. Because that's been, just that's been the, in the game for, you know, forever. Just the drag flick. Or restricting it. We're not even talking about banning drag flicks. Restricting the height that they must travel at to be considered a goal. So perhaps then we, 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 we go, oh, well, maybe there's not so much dom dominance within the penalty corner. Because it really has come out of the past few years since guys have, and girls have been able to 
um, perfect the drag flick and get those 120, 130, 140k whips out of the ball. Now you could hit it like that before, but it's not going to, you know, cause the other as thing much about the drag carnage. flick is, but by the time a player releases the ball with a hit, if you lift it, you're generally not that far into the D. As a as a general rule, you're a few inches maybe by the because of the speed, etc., and the the the, the swing. Swing of the stick takes time. You've got to get that hit away pretty damn quickly. With a drag flick, they're letting fly from about three metres inside uh, yeah. the D. Maybe not three, but you're, you're certainly... You're, you know, yeah, 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 you're certainly a, a good metre and a bit in with it, yeah, you're, no doubt. You're a long way in the D, and so you've, you've got even less reaction time. Yeah, it's an interesting one. One for the rule makers. Oh, guess what, mate? It's time for... <laughs> Oh, what do we got this week? Uh, one very quick one. Thank you to Adam Powell, who shared that uh, Beast and Hockey is streaming again this weekend, a two o'clock game UK time. You can get on uh, and have a look at Beast and Hockey on the socials and uh, all their home games they're streaming this year. We have mentioned it before. If you have a stream, please do get in touch and share it with us. Um, I'm talking about Twitter. There's a little post from a fledgling Twitterati, Mr. John Lee, which I picked up on this week, <laughs> with regard to seeing at the Asia Cup quite a few guys wearing white shoes yes. on the field. Yes. White shoes and white balls. Now, I didn't actually respond to John on this. I thought, you know, who's this bloke mentioned it? Oh, God. Could be anybody. Twitter version. Um, but I did um, consult our friend FH Umpires on uh, at FH Umpires on Twitter and asked the question. And uh, the comment came back was that, well, yeah, why isn't this sort of dealt with within the within the regulations? And it could be something which is a, a you know a tough call for umpires. There was a couple of other comments came back back uh, on that comment about the different coloured surfaces, different coloured balls and blah, blah, blah. But the top end of the game, we don't play with the pink balls, we don't play with the shiny silver balls, we don't play with the multicoloured balls. We either play with yellow kookaburras or we play with white kookaburras and that's pretty much it. Sorry about, you know, to any of the other ball manufacturers that are out there, but that's generally... Yellow and white. Know, yellow and white is what we play on it. So it's a green turf or it's a blue turf and it's a, it's a yellow or a white ball and that's it. Um... Uh, you know, I don't umpire enough at that level to, to, to worry about it too much. I was actually more concerned when I got a bright pink and blue and, and yellow pair of ASICs that I was going to be a bit more noticeable to the umpires when I do accidentally kick the ball. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's a fair point, and it's not something which is discussed or, not, you know, um, is in the regulations. Well, personally, I'd just ban any sort of fluoro shoe. Well, you've got to keep with the times, oh, mate. No, you've got to be my fashionable. FH Empires did mention, apart from anything else, wearing white shoes on the hockey field was a fashion crime. Oh, it's a fashion crime anywhere, let alone a hockey field. So that's about it for feedback. I will just mention that we've uh, our numbers on the podcast and what we can tell of listeners seem to be on the up and up, and uh, we certainly seem to have doubled over the past month, six weeks. So thank you very much to all of our new listeners that are on board um, if you don't really want to go back and listen to every episode because of the, some of the information might be a little bit out of date you can get onto the website and just hone in on the particular interviews yep. so head to the interviews area on the reverse stick.net and uh, yeah you know if you're on the social medias please do like and follow forward slash the reverse stick and please get in touch with us let us know what you think we're into this now we need to get some feedback from people and, and what you want to hear and interviews you'd like to know about um, just yeah. anything you want to know about hockey ask us and we'll find out and of course if you're on the way to a game set the podcast on and 
Make your passengers listen. We'll see you next week. Catch ya.